In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, both now and ever and unto the ages of all ages, amen. As I was mentioning in the introduction to the readings, there are two Sundays, including this week and next week, like this week and next week, left in the Coptic year. And the two last Sundays of the Coptic year, the church has put for us the, the Gospels where Jesus is teaching about the end times. Um, and I'll just preamble this with very early in the life of the church. I had a, a, a friend who was a pro- Protestant pastor, and he would attend church with us on Sundays sometimes. And um, he would tell me, man, it's not easy um, teaching in, in, in the Coptic church because there's lots of stuff that we just never teach about because we don't know what to say. And so, you know, like this end, end time stuff, either you become like an end times prophet in the Protestant world, or you just don't touch it because you just don't want to go there. Well, we, we don't have that luxury in the Orthodox Church. We, the, the readings are prepared for us by the church, and it's sort of like, um, it's, it's sort of uh, like a well-balanced nutrition or something that the church has prepared for us with these seasons that the church takes us through throughout the year. And as the year is ending, the church is, at, is telling us to pay attention to Jesus' second coming. And the, the, the message of today and the message of today's gospel and the message, if you're going to know anything about the end times, you know, it's not like, you know, how many thousand years and how many and, and all of these and all these prophecies and all of that's not, um, I don't think that's exactly what God wants us to get out of this. I think what he wants us to get out of this is that, that very simple phrase to pay attention. Um, oftentimes, um, uh, we are, get distracted by things. I get very distracted by things. Um, but I think God is calling us today to pay attention. You'll notice that at the end of the, at the, end of the, the reading of the gospel today, Jesus said the same word four times in, in three verses. He said the same word four times. He said, watch, watch, watch. Um, the, the, the Greek word that is in the, in, the, in the Greek New Testament for that word is, is actually Gregorio. So that's actually what, what, the, name, what the name Gregory, St. Gregory means is watchful or sober or aware or alert. Um, all, of those, all of those words uh, are very similar. You'll notice in all of our icons, all of the saints have their eyes open. They're trying to give us the image of sobriety, that they're alert, they're aware, they're looking, they're looking forward, and they're looking towards something. You'll know, and all, and, uh, in all the icons, you'll also notice that if Christ is not present in the icon, then the saints are all looking straight forward. If Christ is present in the icon, then everyone is looking towards Christ. Right. So, um, so for example, in the icon of the Theophany, Saint John the Apostle, the angels, even the fish, are all pointing towards Christ in the bosom of the Father. Everybody's faces are pointing towards Christ. But if Christ is not present in, in the in the raising of Lazarus from from the dead, everyone is pointing, looking towards Christ. But if in the icons that don't that don't have Christ represented, St. Mark, St. Stephen, uh, um, St. Uh, Moses, 
St. Anthony in the back, St. Catherine, St. Barbara, St. Juliana, St. John Chrysostom, and so on, you'll find that the, that the saints are looking straight ahead, right? Why? What's the message and why the difference? This isn't a lesson about iconography. This is a lesson about watchfulness. They all have their eye on the goal. They're all looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll notice that almost all of our prayers end with what? Forever and ever, amen. It's like, it's like our concluding thing, the last thing, forever and ever, amen. The end of our Father, the end of glory be to the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto the ages of all ages, amen. And now the love of God, the Father, the grace of His only begotten Son, the gift special be the Holy Spirit be with you. Go in peace and the peace of the Lord be with you. Again, it's a send-off and everything is pointing towards forever and ever. Amen. In the creed, we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the coming age. Amen. Everything is looking, everything is looking forward, right? But, but my question is looking for what? Have you, ever, have you ever been looking for something and you didn't know what it was you were looking for? Like... Um, husbands out there your wife sends you in a direction to go look for something and you have no idea what it is you know uh, get me Zoe's pink headband or something you know and you're like there's like 17 different pink headbands like which one the one with a bow you know but like eight of them have both which one what 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 is it that you're looking for right um wives i'm i'm sure we husbands do the same to you a million times over and friends and family and so on uh, when i I've, I've told this story before but uh, uh in a different context uh, but when i grew i when i used to live in a different city um, uh, uh, I did a master's degree, and during that time, I had a lot of I had a lot of time to myself because there was a lot of sign, kind of self study and stuff like that. So the priest uh, of that town would send me to go pick people up from the airport because I didn't live too far from the airport. So I would be picking up, you know, I would be picking up like John Smith, right? And I have no, I've never seen this person. I've never met this person. I have no idea what this person looks like. I've never even spoke to them, right? And I'd be standing there with my sign, like John Smith, you know, at the airport. And then in, invariably, every single time, I would need to go use the washroom. And I'd be standing there and I'd be thinking to myself, if I leave right now, and John Smith walks by, doesn't find me, gets a cab and goes, I'm gonna come back and stand here for like five hours with my sign until I get convinced that I missed him or he missed his flight or something. Because I have no way to reach this person because the problem is the anxiety of it is that I don't know what it is I'm looking for. So the first message today is that Jesus says so clearly is look or watch or be attentive or pay attention, right? Look for his second coming. But look for what? Like what is it that we're looking for? So that's, what, that's where I want to take us next um, and so that you can have those two messages for yourself at the end of this Coptic year as sort of Jesus is highlighting to us to look. What is it that we're looking for? We're looking for the coming of our Lord. What should we expect in the coming of our Lord? Look, I'm going to tell you plain and simple, okay? I'm not here to scare you, and I'm, I'm not into that, right? I'm here mostly to comfort you, but also to tell you the truth. 
It's all very simple. Some people are going to find the coming of our Lord incredibly terrifying, and some people are going to find it incredibly comforting. It's very simple. When we get taken from this earth somewhere else, if everything you love is here, then it's going to stink. If everything you love is where you're going, then it's going to be great. It's not complicated. It's actually really simple, right? Like, oftentimes, we use like the marriage analogy, you know? So getting married and being on a honeymoon with the person of your dreams on a desert island for a couple of weeks with no one except that person and maybe your private chef and private maid, but they're kind of like, you know, you know we're not, nobody pays attention to them, right? You know, that's, that's great. Okay, now think of the person you find the most annoying in the universe. Now have exactly the same scenario and swap out the person of your dreams for the person you find most annoying in the universe. The situation is exactly the same. The question is, how do you feel about it? The coming of the Lord will be the same for saints and sinners alike. For all of us, it will be exactly the same. Jesus will come and reveal truth to us. You see, nowadays, anyone can say anything they want about anything, and if they say it loud enough or on enough social media platforms or with enough confidence or with enough whatever, people believe it. And if enough people believe it, some sort of, you know, uh, cyber critical mass, then it gains momentum and then it becomes a thing. And people make their living out of this. And that's great. I'm not against that. That's, that's fine. But the point is, is where is truth in all of this, right? And so all of us, myself included, and it's exhausting, are trying to weasel our way through, you know, wiggle our way through this forest of noise and, and try to find to ourselves what is truth and what is not. Jesus, in his second coming, is going to reveal to us truth. He's going to show us this is what's real. And the rest is all fake. The rest is all a sham. The rest is all a counterfeit. Let's go back to the garden for just a moment. The, the serpent goes to Eve. Whether you believe it's a real story, a mythological story, or whatever, that's not my point for today. Either way, you'll be able to follow me. Of course, I believe it's a but, but I'm not discounting that some people believe that it's just mythological. That's fine. But, but look at the conversation between the serpent and Eve. He says to her, if you eat from this fruit, you can be like God. And God doesn't want you to eat from it because then you'll be like him. Hold on a second. When God created humanity and he created Adam and Eve, what did he say? In his image and likeness, he created them. Eve, you're already like God. What's the, what the serpent is offering you is a fake, is a counterfeit. What's, what's a counterfeit? It's a look-alike. And there's so many look-alikes in society and in our world today. Jesus is the real deal. I tell you that. Jesus is the real deal. And he will come and he will reveal to us truth from lie, truth from false, truth from lookalike, truth from counterfeit. And then all we'll be left with is the true reflection 
of our lives and our relationship with Him. So all of the noise and all of the other, all of the, you know, all of that will be done away. And all that I'll be left with is the truth. If that is something that fills me with joy, well, guess what? Jesus' second coming will be full, full of joy. And if we look in the first reading that was from the Thessalonians, first epistle of Thessalonians chapter 2, St. Paul says, my joy is this, right? So, my joy is chocolate ice cream, okay? St. Paul's joy is... What's his joy? Like, if you, if you take a moment now and tell you, what gives you joy, right? Picture it in your head. If you said that to St. Paul, St. Paul would say, you know what, what gives me joy? What gives me joy is imagining these, my beloved, on the day of Jesus' second coming. Like, they're so beautiful, and they, they love God so much, and Jesus is coming from the clouds and they're rejoicing at his coming and he's rejoicing that they're there and that, that gives me joy. That's, that's all I want. That's all I want. Why is he saying that about those people? He's saying that about those people because historically we know that those people, when the gospel came to Thessalonica, they ate it up. They just, they just jumped on it and they just ate it up. I was saying in the intro introduction to the reading, St. Paul spent two and a half weeks in Thessalonica. He preached, he baptized, he ordained deacons and priests and left. In two and a half weeks. He spent a year and a half in Corinth, another, another, another town. And he didn't want to stay, but the Holy Spirit told him, I have a lot of people here, just stay, just don't worry, just stay, just tough it out. And the people in Corinth put up a fight and would argue with him about everything, and they were business people, okay? Businessmen and businesswomen, because the, the businesswomen, their, their husbands were merchants, so they would go off on the ships, and then the women would be running, running the shops, you know, and doing the trading, right? And so they were full of money and, forgive me, full of themselves, you know? And so they would argue with him and fight with him and tell him, you're not even an apostle and, and you weren't one of the twelve and this and that. Oh my goodness, they gave him so much heartache. But the Holy Spirit told him, I have lots of people here, just tough it out, it'll be worth it. He spent a year and a half there and it became one of the largest churches. But in Thessalonica, two and a half weeks. The people, the people loved the truth. My question for you and for me is, the truth is coming. Like, the truth is coming. There's nothing, we're not going to change that. There's nothing we can do about that. It's not, it's not, up, for, it's not up for negotiation. If, um, if, you, if you like the idea, that's great. If you don't like the idea, that's your prerogative. Uh, if you want to believe that it's going to happen, that's great. If you don't want to believe it's, it doesn't, it's not going to happen, that's fine too, but it's going to happen. Whether I believe it or I don't believe it, that's is all besides the point, right? It's not kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's just going to happen, you know? You can do with it whatever you like. The question is... The question is, does that give you joy? Jesus is telling us, he's talking to us, and he's already talking to us as though we are perfectly faithful. This is, this is the magical thing about Christ, is that he is full of grace. 
and truth. He looks at us and talks to us as though we are already perfect. Like he doesn't, he doesn't see our faults or he doesn't dwell on them. I really see myself, the way I see myself and my interaction with Christ is like the woman in John 8 caught in the act of adultery. I feel like Jesus is constantly looking at me and saying, nor do I condemn you. He says to the woman, where are those who condemned you? She says, they're, they're, they're gone. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. I feel this is my day-to-day -day relationship with Christ. He's constantly saying to me, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. And in his second coming, I believe he will look at us and say, nor do I condemn you. But the question is, will I be condemning myself? Will I be able to live? Will I be able to live with myself? So, in summary, Jesus is telling you and he's telling me in this week and next week. You're going to find the readings are very similar. Jesus is telling you and he's telling me, watch, pay attention, focus. You're the guy standing at the airport with the sign that said, doesn't say John Smith. It says Jesus. He's coming. Okay. And he's, he will not delay for much longer. But what am I looking for? I'm looking for a Lord who is so eager and keen to see me because he believes that I have been faithful to him. That's what I'm looking for. And he will, he will come and shine all truth into my life. Let me today enjoy and relish in the fact that he is so gracious and that he is so eager and keen to see me. And let me see where I have loved truth and where I have loved lie and take like rechannel the love that I have put towards things that are not true towards the truth himself. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. I have sinned. Forgive me, my fathers, mothers and brothers and sisters. Please pray for me.